Good evening. Good evening. Welcome, welcome to our Midweek Refresh virtual service. We are so excited that you're joining us online this evening. Share the post. Let people know that we're live tonight. We need your help to get the word out that we are here at Celebration Church and we are live and ready to talk about tonight what we believe. We're starting a new series, jumping into some of the fundamentals of what we believe. Tonight's topic is the authority of Scripture. This is a really powerful topic. You're not going to want to miss this, nor is anyone that you know. There's a lot of debate over the authority of Scripture, a lot of misunderstandings, a lot of myths. So we want to jump into what the Bible says about its own authority. So join us tonight. Share the link. Share the post. Let people know that we're on live tonight. Also, make sure that you drop your name in the comments. Get your voice into the room. We want to know that you're here. So just drop your voice uh, or drop your name. Get your voice in the room. Drop your name in the comments. Let us know that you're here joining us this evening. Um, Also, uh, if you have any prayer requests, drop those in the comments or any questions throughout the night. We want to make sure that we take your questions and uh, take time to help walk you through what the Bible says says and help answer any questions that you have uh, regarding our topic tonight. So make sure you drop any questions, feedback, comments, put those there in the comments and and we are following right along with you this evening. I also just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who partners with us financially. Thank you to all of those that are faithful givers. We appreciate every seed that's sown into the ministry here at Celebration Church. And so if this ministry has been a blessing to you, If our midweek refresh is a blessing to you or uh, Sunday services or any of our online broadcast, uh, anything that we're doing, grocery distribution, if it has been a blessing to you, let me just encourage you to take time right now and uh, partner with us. Give a gift. Go online to our website at ccacron.org. That's ccacron.org. And at the top, there's a button that says give. You can also give on Venmo or Cash App. Just find a CC Akron. Uh, you can also text 73256 and just send a dollar amount and uh, the, the word CC Akron, and it will send you a link to give. So we want you to be a part financially. Don't just join us online and the broadcast, but be a part financially. Sow that seed and uh, be a part of what God is doing here in the Great Lakes region financially and watch the blessing of the Lord uh, just continue through the ministry and the blessing of the Lord on your life. You know, we hear so many testimonies uh, about the Lord's blessing, financial blessings and breakthroughs. So uh, we want you to be a part of that, be a part of our ministry and what God's doing. So thank you, thank you, thank you for partnering with us and going online tonight. Again, ccacron.org, Venmo, Cash App, and sowing your seed this evening. Also, while you're on our website, ccacron.org, you can click the virtual connect card. Let us know that you're here. Let us know that you're watching us. Just click the virtual connect card. Fill that card out, and uh, we take time. We actually look at every single one of those cards that are completed. We take time to look through those. We pray over the prayer needs that come through. Our pastors, our ministers cover those in prayer. Uh, We follow up on those. We uh, send cards and and make phone calls, and we want to connect with you. So if you fill out one of those virtual connect cards, we do follow up with you and express our appreciation for you joining us online. So make sure to fill that out. Awesome. 
well, I am super excited about tonight's topic and our in our new series. We over the past few weeks we've been talking about creating a house of honor and what a home or house of honor looks like here at Celebration. We believe that we've created a house of honor, and so we we took a look at what does that mean practically. What does it mean to be a place of honor? And tonight we're starting a new series called What We Believe, and so we're jumping into some of the fundamentals of Scripture and what we believe. So uh, tonight. Our team is here, some of our pastors and ministers are ready, and we're going to jump in on the topic of the authority of Scripture. So let me read uh, Hebrews chapter 4 for you, and we're going to jump in. Hebrews chapter 4, and verse 12, says, The word of the Lord, the word of God, is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. So the Word of God, as we start talking about the authority of Scripture, the Word of God is living, it's active, it's sharp, it's dividing. And so tonight we're going to look at Scripture and what it means to, to understand what the Word of God, the authority of of the Word of God is. Now, as we jump into this, uh, and, and feel free, anybody, to jump in on this, you know, we're, we live in a society that says that truth is relative. There's this whole idea of relative, relativism, that truth is relative to, to your life. Whatever you feel is true for you is truth. Whatever you want to do, however you want to live, um, that that is the truth for you, and that's the guiding truth for your life. Um, but as believers, we understand, and we're going to talk about this tonight, we understand that the Scripture, the Word of God, is actually the absolute truth. So when we say that Scripture is absolute truth, what do we mean? Anybody want to jump in on that? I can. Um, <laughs> so... When we say that Scripture is absolute truth, we mean that, that there's no errors in it, that there is no wiggle room. There's not really a lot of gray area left in Scripture. Um, it's not just something that we have that's a great suggestion or stories that our parents tell us or, you know, fairy tales, the, the original um, idea behind fairy tales was, okay, we're going to make up these stories to tell children to scare them into being good. Um, and that's not what the Bible is. It's not fairy tales. It's not things that are made up to scare us into being good. It's not things that people have imagined throughout history that, well, if there was a God, this is what he would probably be like and want us to be like. It is the word of God. It is breathed from God, from the eternal ruler of the universe, the creator of the world, it is his breath expressed to us and telling us his heart and his intent for the relationship between humans and himself and, and how we can do that. And, and it is truth. It is, this is what it is. And there is no wavering from that. It's not just a suggestion. Right. It's, it's not a suggestion. It's not some storybook of good stories of let's tell the tales of old, but it's absolute truth. It is what we as believers, as Christians, base our lives off of, not whether we feel something, right. not whether um, some tradition tells us yeah. that that's what we should do because it's always been done, but Scripture is the absolute beginning and end, the final word of God. It is living 
and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. You know, I had someone tell me recently that, um, thank you, Sam. I had someone tell me recently that um, I've read it, I've heard all the stories, and it just doesn't mean anything. Oh, no, sweetheart. It is living. And in order for us to hear what it is saying, we too must be alive. But it is living. It is the absolute truth. There is no, you know, swaying right or left from it. It is truth. It's absolute truth. This is what Jesus said about that in uh, John 17, verse 17. uh, Jesus said, and this is part of his prayer. He's praying for, for believers. And part of his prayer, he says, sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. Yeah. He, does, he doesn't say to them, your word is true. He says, your word is truth, that it is the truth. It is the standard. It is the absolute. So when, when we look to Scripture, we have to understand that Scripture is absolute truth. And we're, we're going to jump into some of these uh, thoughts on that. There's, there's a um, phrase that we use um, it comes from the Protestant Reformation, sola scriptura, which means scripture alone. That, that scripture alone is, is our absolute standard. And we see this taught by the Apostle Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 4. Uh, let me jump back. My pages changed. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse uh, 6. It says, Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written. So Paul's saying, even as Apollos and I teach you, and we are transferring, we are telling you the word of the Lord, and we are preaching to you, that you are not to go beyond what is written in Scripture, that, that we are teaching you what is written, we are teaching you the word of God, but it, but it all... Uh, is we're not going beyond it. We're not going beyond what Jesus taught. We're not going beyond uh, anything in the Word of God. And so that is uh, Scripture alone, you know, is the guide for our life. And so, you know, a lot of times in in our world today, um, you know, it's easy. You know, we we hear someone preach something. Um, You know, it's it's our maybe a leader that we we value in our life or some TV preacher or somebody and we hear it and we think it sounds good, but we never go into scripture and research it, but we take it, we run with it and believe it is the truth. But it contradicts Scripture. You know, uh, infant baptism, I'm just going to pick on one of them, but, you know, this is why sola scriptura, Scripture alone, infant baptism is not in Scripture. But there are churches that will run with infant baptism and say that that infant baptism removes original sin. Um, The only way to remove any sin is through the blood of Christ. We we are not redeemed through the action of baptism. It is a proclamation. It's a declaration of the the saving work of grace in our life. So um, we have to be careful. We have to stick with the Word of God. Right, and that brings up the scripture from Mark. If you look at Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 6, it says that he answered and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy to you? Hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things you do. 
He said to them, all too well, you reject the commandment of God that you might keep your tradition. And that really is why it is so important that as you hear messages, as you're listening to sermons, as you're choosing books to read, you know, sometimes just because a book is on the spiritual shelf doesn't mean it's a great book. Right. You know, and just because someone's got a church and a podcast doesn't mean they're doctrinally right. aligning yeah. and that it's a sound doctrine. And so it's so important for us to not go with the commandments of men, not just listen to our pastor preach on Sunday, but that we take that message and go and look in the Word of God word. for ourselves. Right. We are not meant to live off of someone else's manna. Right. We are meant to feed ourselves, to take what, what we are being taught, and then to go back to Scripture and say, all right, God, speak to me from this, and let God reveal himself to you. Absolutely. So I want us to jump in this idea of, uh, of the authority of Scripture, what, what this means, that, that Scripture and its authority. So as we do this, we have to, th- we have to think um, and understand that all of Scripture, everything about Scripture is God's Word. This is God's Word, and it does not contradict itself. It is the absolute standard of truth. It is His Word. Now, um, there, are, there are multiple ways, and I, I want us to jump in on this. Mm-hmm. Kristen, what you got? Yeah, so uh, 2 Timothy 3. 3, verse 16, and I want to read 17 too. Is all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, or for and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Um, and I think of like in preschool we learn the ABCs, and we use that alphabet. That is the American alphabet that we use for the rest of our lives. Um, I feel like learning scripture and getting that into your spirit is like should be the ABCs of your life. Yeah. It's teaching you throughout your entire life what you should do. Well, and that's actually, you know, it's funny you said that because preceding verse 16, Paul's actually addressing with Timothy that from his childhood, he knew the scriptures. You know, so his, we, we know Timothy's background. His, his dad, Timothy's dad was Gentile. His, his mom and his grandmother were teaching him scripture. And so Timothy, we don't know uh, all of the dynamics, but but Acts kind of gives us some some clues. You go back and and follow Paul's ministry and take a look when he commissioned Timothy. So um, even even as a young child, his grandmother and his mother were teaching him the scripture, and that's reference here. And so and he takes from that point teaching your children the word of the Lord. As a child, you learn these things, and he goes on and he says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now that's in K. Uh, NKJV version, I think yours said God breathed, didn't it? So there's, so depending on what translation you read, it says God breathed or God inspired. So the word breathed there in 2 Timothy 3.16 is the word God inspired, that the, that the scripture, all scripture, the word of God is God breathed. It's his word. He inspired it. Now, I, let's talk about that word inspired because some people may not understand uh, and there's different views of inspiration. There's there's a view of inspiration that God actually, you know, this dictation idea that God actually dictated Scripture letter by letter, you know, uh, period by period. You know, and that's that's not necessarily what we believe. And nor does Scripture really indicate that. There are there are places in Scripture where it says, "Thus says the Lord," and it's or God says to like John on the Isle of Patmos. Um, 
write these words to the angel of Sardis. And John dictates out what God says to the church, to the angel of the church of Sardis. And it's actually a dictation. It's, he's writing out. Or God would say to Isaiah, go and prophesy too. And he would give him his word, you know, specific word to prophesy. So you would get that from God as maybe a dictation. But the general uh, scripture is, is not, you know. So we have this, uh, it is inspired by God, but not dictated. We see the personalities of the writers come through. So is, who's going to jump in on this? So one of, there's actually a term that we use to describe this. I was, I thought my wife was going to jump in here and talk about it. So I kept looking at her and uh, I'm, she, she will, she, she'll jump in here in a second, I'm sure. But, but the word that actually is used there is plenary uh, inspiration, that the, the word of God is inspired. The entirety of the word of God is inspired by God. Um, it's not a. It's not the always the dictation, but everything in there is the word of God. Absolutely. So Matthew one twenty two says that so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And then if you look again, sorry, I've got so many scriptures up here to go with all this tonight. Um, sorry. So if you look at John one one. Um, and Pastor preaches this message on this, and I, I absolutely love it. But it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. That here God is, expresses himself through Jesus. That the Word is living and active because it is Christ. The Word always was an expression of God through his son Jesus. Um, and therefore it is the inspired, breathed Word of God. It's Jesus, the Word, come to life. Amen. Amen. So Scripture tells us that, in, that this is his Word. God says, this is my Word. Um, and, and throughout Scripture, we'll see things as you read throughout Scripture. Thus says the Lord. You know, so God says he's speaking. You know, so it's very simple. How do we know that this is God's word? God says himself, this is my word. Thus says the Lord. Um, so it's, it's really simple. The, the New Testament, if you go through uh, the New Testament, there's a lot of uh, references to this. Uh, it, you know, Matthew uh, chapter 1, I'm, I'm turning there quickly, but in, in Matthew chapter 1, a, a lot of the New Testament references back to the Old Testament and, and says, this is the word of the Lord. Matthew chapter 1 verse 22 is one of those instances that, um, that there's a reference to what the prophecy, the Messianic prophecy here, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And so here we find this is a direct reference to a, a, a prophecy that was actually Isaiah prophesied. Um, so here's a, a, a prophecy from Isaiah concerning the coming of Christ. And Matthew references it as this is what the Lord said through Isaiah the prophet. And so we see that repeated. That's just one example, but we see that repeated throughout the New Testament. So another example of that is found in Matthew 4, 4. 
And Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that's referencing Deuteronomy. Um, but here, the, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God is talking about the rhema word of God. And so there again, we're, talk, we're talking about a living scripture where God, the inspired word of God, is going to jump out of those pages and become life inside of the believer. Um, but it, it's Christ referencing the prophets of old yet again. You know, I, I was thinking when you guys were saying about how it's not just a bunch of stories. Well, I mean, I grew up knowing Bible stories, um, but it hadn't come to live, alive to me yet as a teenager. And I had kind of a rebellious phase, and I started to believe that it was just, well, what, it's just a bunch of man-made stories, nice stories that people tell. But it wasn't until adulthood when I really, really stepped into my uh, relationship with Christ and um, started to believe it and see it actively for myself and how, you know, we say his word doesn't return void. Everything that he says is truth, and he doesn't go back on his word. Um, nothing that he says is going to, it, it's, it's for our, our good. And you see that the more you learn, the more you read, the more you, you see it in your own life, um, you realize that it is the truth. But you have to put yourself in a place to learn that. Yeah, so let's jump in there because that's really powerful. You do, you've got to put yourself, Christian said, you got to put yourself in a place to hear the truth. To, to, you know, and we live in a society, we live in a generation that people don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to put themselves in a place to hear the truth or hear the word of God. Um, it's, it's confrontational. It's convicting, you know. I've had people say before, well, I don't want to be convicted. Well, the, the word of God is going to challenge you. It's, it's looking, you know, it's looking into the mirror. It's looking into the life-changing power uh, of God, the manifestation of Jesus, you know, here, you know, Heather referenced earlier that, you know, the, the word became flesh, the, the idea of what God had, the idea that God has of himself, the, the concept that God has of himself, the word that God has of his own being was manifest in Christ. So, you know, we don't, you know, it's hard to, to look at that and say, well, this is where I fall short. Um, and sometimes we don't put ourselves in the place, but we got to read the word. You know, reading the word of God, as you read the word, the Holy Spirit um, confirms yeah. that this is God's word to you. It's, we read it earlier, it's living. The word of God is living, it's active, it's sharp. The Holy Spirit has, has breathed these words. They, every word in scripture is full of life. And as you begin to uh, unpack all that's in here, it brings life. Here's what First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter two, First Corinthians chapter two, and verse thirteen says. It says, "These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual." So Paul's saying here right off the bat that, that the doctrine that they're teaching, where the, this word of God, the doctrine that's being taught, is taught by the Holy Spirit. And he's teaching spiritual things to be understood with spiritual mind. And so if you try to come at the word of God with a natural mind, uh, with your own logic or reasoning, without the Holy Spirit's illumination, it doesn't make sense. He actually quantifies that in the next verse. He says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Yeah, yeah. 
So if you try to take the Word of God and, and dissect it just only in the natural, um, you know, you might get some understanding, but the revelation is not there. You know, you can have a, you can have a natural understanding that honey is sweet, but there's no revelation that honey is sweet until you put the honey in your mouth. And so when you begin to jump into the Word of God and by the Spirit of God have revelation of its sweetness, then all of a sudden you begin to discover uh, the God of the Bible, that, it, that He is not uh, just words on a page, it's not just black and white and red, that there is something deeper. The Holy Spirit is speaking life through this. He says, so the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Um, and it goes on, verse 15 says, But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So right, I mean, that's, a, that's, that's powerful. That through, through the Holy Spirit, um, illuminating Scripture, we have right here in the Word of God, the mind of Christ. So powerful, and Scripture goes on and talks and tells us that we can renew our mind daily by the washing yeah, by the word of the of God. Word of God. That is powerful. You know, you would talk about having anxiety or having, you know, bad self-esteem and self-loathing and all the just negativity that comes from the world. Open our Bible. And, and we have the mind of Christ as we allow the Holy Spirit to bring revelation to us from the Word. You know, so many people say, um, I don't want to read the Word. I don't want to know what I'm supposed to do or how I'm supposed to be. Or, Look, we don't read Scripture so we can follow rules. Right, I don't know right. about you, but, you know, the more I go along in life, the more I realize I can't keep track of everything, much less follow a bunch of rules. Right. But as I read scripture, we find Jesus. Yeah. We find the lover of our souls, the revelation of Christ through the Holy Spirit. Um, was John 10, 27 says this. It says that my sheep hear my voice mm -hmm. and I know them and they follow me. I can open up scripture and find Jesus. I can hear his voice. I can have revelation with him and not wonder, was that me? Was that my own thought? Oh, was that the devil? No, I get to know the very the, the voice of God and have it confirmed because I've got scripture living on the inside of me. I have confirmation that the God of the universe, the all-powerful one, comes and meets with me through the word of God. And so... Maybe you are watching and you're newer to church or you're newer to celebration and you may have a Bible sitting on your shelf that has collected dust. You don't even know where it's at or what box it's in anymore. <laughs> and, and you're thinking, hey, lady, I used to read that thing and it didn't mean, uh, it didn't mean anything. Well, maybe there wasn't a born-again experience yeah. yet. And maybe now's the time to open up that Bible and allow him to speak that you would realize that you're one of his sheep today and that you can hear his voice and that you'll follow him. You know, Heather said something that's really important. And in today's world, you know, we have people who say, oh, I hear from God. You know, I, I've heard from the Lord. He's told me, 
you know, whatever it is that he's told them. You know, I've had some dream or vision. And, hey, listen, I believe that God speaks through dreams and visions. I believe that he speaks to us in our, in our inner man. He's, you know, he speaks us to us through others. I believe all of that. But if it contradicts the word of God, if it contradicts his word, then it's not God. God never contradicts his word. There's never a word from the Lord that contradicts scripture. And that's not, that's not mean you have to twist it and manipulate it to be the word. It speaks for itself. It attests to itself. And you don't have to twist scripture to make it fit your, your needs. There is a, there's a word for you. The, the word of God speaks to you. You don't have to try to manipulate scripture. It will speak life to you. Yeah, that's good, Pastor. Actually, um, if you go on in John, in John 16, 13, uh, Christ is telling his disciples, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So that's Right along with what Pastor was saying, yes, God is going to speak to us. Yes, the Spirit is going to speak to us and reveal all truth. But it's going to be what he hears from the Father. Christ told us that the Spirit is not going to contradict the Word of God. That the Spirit is going to reinforce and illuminate what the Word of God is saying. So if, if you're hearing something and it's not lining up with Scripture, it doesn't make sense with what you know the word of God says, then that is when we have to do that check and that, that checkpoint with ourselves and say, okay, was that really the spirit or have I maybe gotten myself over into left field a little bit Wishful with my thinking. emotions or with what I want to happen or with what my plan is for my life and I'm trying to justify that or I'm trying to find a way that it makes sense because Sometimes that happens, and, and it doesn't make you a horrible person, and it doesn't mean that, you know, there's no redemption. It just means, hey, dig into the word because the spirit is always going to illuminate and reinforce what is already in scripture and reveal that truth to us. God is not going to contradict himself. God isn't going to suddenly change the story. Scripture tells us God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not suddenly going to decide, you know what, that part, I didn't mean it. I changed my mind completely. Ignore everything I said before this. Let's do it this way. He's going to continue on in the same manner that he has always operated, and it's going to be backed up by Scripture. And uh, 2 Peter 1 verse 20 says, But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Yeah. So that goes right along with what Jen was saying, how the Holy Spirit will move upon you. Yeah. And how do we know that it's from God? How do we know it's not our emotions being all stirred up? We know it because we can go into Scripture and find Scripture that supports exactly what the word that we feel like the yeah. Lord is speaking through us says. Absolutely. Actually, you know, that... Uh, verse that you just read, Veronica, is a great verse to talk about um, the inspiration of Scripture, that Scripture was inspired by God. The Holy Spirit moved upon men. The, the, the 
Greek there is that they were actually caught up in the Holy Spirit, that he began to reveal to them or speak to them what to write, what to say. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's really powerful, you know, that we are led by the Holy Spirit. I want us to jump into this idea, though. Um, you know, there's, there's this common, I guess, myth out there that you have to, or a common trend, maybe not a myth, maybe a common trend, that um, being spiritual, being a Christian, is you got, you've got to get the latest spiritual book. You know, you got to get the latest trendy spiritual book that's out there. You know, whoever the author is, well, I mean, we could we could name a few, but we won't. Uh, but you could you could get whatever the trendy is, and and that's that is, you know, that's just as good as reading the Bible because you know they're just explaining it, right? Yeah, I. <laughs> Sorry, when you started saying that, it just made me think of something that that you guys have said since you got here and in all of our Bethesda classes and teaching us how to dig deeper in the word is go to the old dead guys. Go to the tried and true, the ones who have stood the test of time. That the, It's not doctrine that's been blown by the wind. Um, it's not something that's the latest fad. It's not something that suddenly sparked up because of current events or what's popular or name it, claim it, because this is beneficial to me and nobody else. Um, but we have to go back. We have to go back to the things that have been proven, the things, the doctrine like Martin Luther that we can look at and say, that is rooted in scripture. That is backed up by what I can see in scripture, like Jonathan Edwards, backed up by scripture. And it has stood the test of time. It is something that is still backed by scripture. God, nowhere in scripture did God say, there's going to be more coming later. Wait until 2020. I'm going to tell this guy what's on trend then. You know, God tells us that his word is enduring and it won't return void and his word is his word. So I think it's funny when uh, I used to laugh when pastor would say, go look at the old dead guys. But really, it, it's true. We do need to rely on the the past generations of godly wisdom that we have received that actually do align with scripture. So what I hear you say in there is that we don't necessarily disregard, you know, we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, and, and reading these books, but we need to go to people, if we're going that route, we need to make sure that we're reading proven People who have proven doctrine, right. things that are scripture aligned, not twisted, right. not manipulated, right. but are but are solid scripturally. Yeah. So, and you know, these newer spiritual books could be revelation that was given to them, maybe for their life. Right. However, it's good for us to dive in and get revelation for our own. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and I think a, a good point is that people. People write books because they are inspired. Yes. They have some kind of inspiration, some kind of revelation. And that doesn't mean it's a bad book right. per se. But there's only one Bible. Yeah. There's only, yeah. there's a, there's only uh -huh. one inspired word of yeah. God. And there's really nothing to add to or take away from it. This is the absolute finite right. word yeah. of God for ourselves. 
And as far as, you know, God does have um, prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists, and, and he uses us and the body of Christ to minister life to his people and to, to guide the flock. And there are seasons where he'll use a particular pastor or minister to speak to a, a people or a teacher or a region that, that'll have a large effect on a region. And sometimes, sometimes a generation. And even fewer times, generations. And that would be the George Whitfield, the Jonathan Edwards, the Martin Luther, you know, that whole, the Wesleys. But, the, but those aren't every pastor, every teacher, every prophet, every evangelist. That, that, that's not all of our callings. But there's one word of God that we yeah. can take all of those yeah. books and scriptures and take those books and then look at the scriptures. Right. And, and how, how does the scripture apply to what they're saying? What is their revelation? So they add um, their own insight, their right. own revelation, but it never supersedes the Bible. Right. Right. And so what Jen is saying is just that cautionary place of, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to look to the people that have gone before us for wisdom of how they've applied scripture to their lives in different seasons. In modern day, I'm going to be a little bit more cautious because I'm not sure if this is just another trend flapping in the wind. Because let's be honest, today, in today's age, you know, when you look at Jonathan Edwards and he graduated Harvard but before we ever even graduated high school. And he was speaking Latin and all these different things. Their studies and their, their discipline in studies far surpasses ours. It was a completely different world per se. And we're not in that today. And so most people doctrinally can't fine tune and fine line and follow the thread from different sermon to sermon, much less book to book. And as trends go and we use the coolest language and the best vibe out there, we don't, most people can't follow that. And so with whether or not you were swaying to and fro, and so that's why it's best to keep going back to the word of God. Absolute truths, not some feel-good message. Yeah, let, let scripture interpret itself, you know, um, is another great point here that I'm hearing, is that we, we value what others have written, and it's, you know, it's great as a resource. But as you're studying scripture, let scripture interpret itself. You know, one of the, one of the greatest Bibles you could ever invest in is a Thompson Chain Reference Bible, um, you know, because what it does is throughout the Scripture, it, it creates a chain, a number chain, so that you can actually study common, common topics. Uh, if you're looking at one verse, it will give you a, a number, numeric system that you can go and follow. And what it ends up doing is it shows you how Scripture interprets itself. You don't have to go get a million books on a particular topic. doesn't mean that those are bad to have those commentaries and those resources. I'm going to be one of the first to say, get yourself some commentaries. Yes. Get yourself uh, a Greek and Hebrew dictionary and yes. study and dive in. Get have in fun. it. And ha yeah, have fun with it. I, I'm all for that. But the first place and the priority is allowing Scripture to interpret itself. Yeah. When, I, when I study for myself or preaching or writing or whenever I'm studying, the first thing that I do is I allow Scripture to speak for itself. I don't go grab the latest trendy book. I don't go grab the commentary. I, and I, I have all of those resources. 
But I start with the Word of God, and I look to what Scripture says about itself. And that's where I start. I start in all of my points, all of my sermon points, everything about everything that I preach starts with what Scripture says in itself and allow that to be the foundation. You know, I've, I've had numerous people say through the years, you know, how much they've enjoyed my preaching because it's taken right from the Word of God, and that's hard to find these days. And I'm like, well, that's scary, first off. Uh, but secondly, it, you know, that, that is our source. We go right, the, the preaching, the proclamation of the gospel, teaching of Scripture, all comes from the Word of God, allowing Scripture to interpret itself. Yeah, uh, Proverbs, you know, talks about um, is iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Um, there's nothing wrong, just like our conversation here, right? We're sharpening one another. We're encouraging one another. We're learning from one another. We're feeding off one another. But ultimately, our conversation does not replace Scripture. Right. Our conversation does not replace the Word of God. We can talk about the Word of God. We can talk about the revelation from the Word of God. We can talk about... Uh, we can talk about Scripture, but it does not replace Scripture. So, you know, there is, uh, there is uh, something to be said for gaining the wisdom of others and from gaining the wisdom of the people uh, that have gone before us. And they've already blazed the trail. You know, they've already gone there. So um, there is something to be said about gaining the wisdom, you know, uh, just like we said under our pastors. You know, I gain wisdom daily from, from our pastors. I gain wisdom daily from our ministry team, um, you know, but but their sermons don't replace the word. There's nothing that can replace the word. So, you know, we have to know what is our foundation. What is our foundation? And it's not a book, and it's not the latest trendy thing. We can build a house. We can build a skyscraper. We can build all these new fancy-looking things that might be tickling to the eyes, and we, we love the way that they look, and oh my goodness, it's the latest and the greatest. However, if the foundation is garbage, it's going to fall. Yeah. It's going to fall. So it really just goes back to what is your foundation? Yeah, that's Absolutely. Good. You know, Scripture tells us that the beginning of wisdom is the knowledge of God. And, you know, for me, we're talking about Scripture, we're talking about the Word of God, and, and it being final, it being the absolute truth of our lives. And, you know, 20 years ago, I find myself born again, and I find myself having, I had lived this absolute immoral lifestyle where I didn't know if I was coming or going. And there wasn't any absolute truths in that life that I lived. And so then hearing him as a believer, what do I do and where do I go? And how, I mean, I had no clue what was right and wrong anymore because everything was okay. And many of you may find yourself in that world today of things just being acceptable because shouldn't we accept everyone as they are? Mm -hmm. So what did I find myself doing? Proverbs. A proverb a day. There's 31 proverbs and there's 31 days at most in a month. And really, I think my first seven years as a believer, I did not miss a day reading a proverb. And really found myself going, oh gosh, I do that. Oh, how do I not? But the amazing thing is that it's the inspired word of God. It's living and active and sharper than two-edged sword. You find Christ in the pages. And in uh, John 14, 26, it says, The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. 
And so I would find myself walking and living and in the middle of a situation going, what do I do? And the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth would bring to my remembrance a scripture that I didn't even know I knew. I had just been reading it in my daily devotion and all of a sudden it was life to my soul. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that we have to be cautioned about when we're reading scripture is taking things out of context. And so a lot of times people say, well, you know, if this is the word of God, why does it say this or why does it say that, for example? And what they're really doing is they're actually reading something that God said the devil said or, or something that, that says that this, that, you know, another person was speaking, another man or a king or a prophet or someone was, was speaking and they, they're taking it out of context. So, or they take scriptures that are meaningful, you know, little bits of verses or a verse that's meaningful uh, in a moment of time and take it out of context and try to apply it to a situation without the full context of, of the word. Um, whether that's the verses that are preceding and following that verse or whether it's the entirety of scripture. Um, so it's important that when, you, when you're reading Scripture, you're studying Scripture, you're using the Word, that you rightly divide. That's what Paul taught Timothy, that you're rightly using. Study to show yourself approved, rightly dividing, rightly handling the Word of God so that you're not pulling things out of context or pulling things to make you feel good just because, you know, that verse sounds good to you. Well, what, you know, I... <laughs> We read things like, you know, I'm pressed down, you know, shaking together, running over, you know, men are going to get, you know, and then, but we start taking that out of context and we forget that some of those blessings come with persecution, you know, we want the blessing and then we, we mark out the verse that says, and with persecutions. (laughs) So true, so true. So I'm reminded, this is, uh, the Holy Spirit keeps reminding me of this. But if we take a look at Psalm 1, well, let me find it. Psalm 1. Psalm 1, I'm so sorry. But it says that his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. And so I love this for the believer that that we are to meditate upon scripture. That it's not some rule book to live by. But that we get to realistically chomp it up. Think about it. Process it. Question it. Research it. God, who is saying it? Who are you speaking to? And, and, you know, if, if I was to look at Zach and take everything he ever told me for, at just face value and never ask any more questions, then I would hardly know him. But because I'm his wife, because we have a relationship, I'm able to question him. I'm able to, hey, well, tell me about that time in life. And Is explain that what you're doing? Me. That's what I'm doing. I'm getting <laughs> to know you. You're getting to know me? Oh, okay. And, you know, get to know who he is. I'm understanding him more. I get why he is the way he is and thinks the way he thinks and does what he did, what likes to do and all these different co- aspects of who he is. Well, it's the same way with Scripture, that if I am going to be a believer, if I'm going to believe in Jesus, I need to know him. And I need to meditate. Joshua 1.8 tells us the same thing, that we're to meditate day and night 
on the scriptures that we could do according to all that is written. Mm -hmm. Psalm 119, we read it Sunday morning and prayed it over our nation that, Lord, revive me according to your word. Help me to meditate upon it. Let me love your statutes. Let me love your word. We don't fall in love with the word of God because someone begins beating us over the head with it. Or we, we just hear these rules to follow. But we fall in love with the word of God yeah. by spending time in it in and it. meditating about, on it. And, and letting it speak to our innermost being. So before we keep going, I just want to remind you, drop your questions in the comments. So if you have any questions about the authority of Scripture, what we're talking about tonight, drop your questions in the comments. We want to hear from you, and uh, we're going to take time in just a minute to answer some of those questions. So make sure you drop those in. Go ahead. So to go along with what Pastor Heather was saying, meditating day and night on the Scripture of the Lord, um, reading Scripture is not a race. That is good. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a race. It's not something where you read one scripture, you're done. Oh, I got my scripture in for the day. I'm good. No, you, you take that scripture, you start to meditate on it. You start to think about it throughout your day. You start to chew on it. You know, the cattle, they, they eat their grass, they chew on it, they swaddle, swallow it, good. then they bring it back up and they chew on it a little bit more. We're supposed to do that with Scripture. That's meditation. Yes, that the is meditation. meditation. Of my heart be pleasing to you. That's what that means. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So we're supposed to chew and, and just salivate on that Scripture, not race through it. And, you know, while we're on this, guys, and I'd love to hear from, from everybody up here on it. You know, we're talking about meditating. We're talking about reading Scripture, making it a part of our everyday lives, washing our minds with the renewing of the Word. And, you know, I had someone recently say, I've read all that. I've heard it all before. And it just broke my heart because I'm sitting there thinking, wow, I have dedicated the last 20 years of my life to this book, to, to reading it, to studying it, to learning it, to meditating and regurgitating it. And I don't think, oh, yeah, I've heard that one. Right. Yeah. Right. I've been there. Because it's alive, and I want to hear from you guys on that. What? Because I know, I know how worked up I'm getting over it. But I want to hear what are you? What are you? What do you say about that? That actually, as you were saying that, it reminded me of Psalm 19:14 that says, "Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my Rock and my Redeemer." And really, what that's saying is, let me be meditating on you because. Christ and, and the word of God are what are acceptable to God. That when we're meditating on scripture, then it becomes impossible for the words of our mouth not to be acceptable to God. It becomes impossible for us to, to not know him, to not be involved with him. Like Pastor Heather was saying, you know, she loves Pastor Zach and she wants to know about him. So she's going to think about him and she's going to ask him questions and she's going to try to find out about him because that is her delight. And it's the same thing with scripture that when we're meditating on Christ, and we've talked about this before when, when we were talking about the Holy Spirit, um, that 
if we're meditating on the word of God and we're focusing on the word of God, then that shifts the atmosphere. It shifts our mindset. It shifts our situation. We could be in the worst circumstance ever, but if we're meditating on the word of God, that circumstance and that life situation no longer hold power over us. That's no longer the thing determining our emotions or our response. Our response is now, where's the Christ in this? What is the thing that I can, that is being revealed to me? What truth of God can be revealed in this situation? What can I do to dive deeper into scripture to lean on God as my rock instead of, ah, everything's a mess. Um, and it's the same thing. Like we've talked about what you listen to and what, what you let in to your mind and to your body is what is going to come out. What the, the overflow of the heart, what is going in is going to pour out. And we say this all the time, but we say, when I get poked, I want to bleed Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and it's true. That is our, that's our witness. That's how people know that we're Christians. Jesus said, they'll know that you're my disciples by your love. And if we're not bleeding Jesus when we get poked, then we don't have a witness in that situation. And the only way we can bleed Jesus is if we're meditating on scripture, if we're diving into the word, like Veronica said, if we're chewing on it and savoring it and getting it into ourselves, that's the only way it can come back out. What you feed grows and what you starve dies. I mean, if you're feeding your spirit man the word of God, That is what's going to grow in your heart. You're going to begin to fall in love with the word of God. You're not going to say, oh, did that, done that, got a t-shirt, sold it to Goodwill, bought it back. I'm wearing it now. You know, you're going to be like, oh, I love this. I love the word of God. Yes, give me some more. Somebody's going to say a scripture that you've been meditating on all week. And guess what? That's just going to make you overfill with joy because it's going to be God loving on you by him speaking his word through another person to you that you've been falling in love with. It's just amazing. It's, it's amazing how that happens. Mm-hmm. Psalm 119 uh, verse 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Um, now, if you don't think that it's for you... Um, try driving on the highway and not paying any attention to the road signs. You might end up a little bit um, on the wrong path, you know. And and the thing is, there might be road signs miles away, but the closer that you get to them, you can see them more clearly. So that's what we're talking about, getting closer, getting to know the Lord, getting to um, get personal revelation from him. The closer that you get, you know, you're going to understand it better, and it will be personal for you. That's awesome. Good, good. Love that. So in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18, it's, at the end of verse 18, it says this, that we're to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. So I just want to focus that there's more in that verse, but I want to just zero in on that word, lay hold of the hope that is set before us. Well, what is, what is our hope? Well, we know that Christ is, is, is our hope. He's the anchor of our soul. If you keep reading, if you read the previous verses in, in Hebrews 6, it answers that. So we are to lay hold. What he's saying is we are to lay hold of Christ. Right. 
We are to lay hold of him. You know, when's the last time you've laid hold of Christ? You know, I'm thinking about the woman with the issue of blood. You know, she had, she had been bleeding. She had had issues, bleeding issues for 12 years and only got worse. But she laid hold of Christ. Even, even just at, at his feet, she laid hold of him and power went through her body and healed her. And so you've got to lay hold of Christ. How you do that? You lay hold of his word. You lay hold of him. Make it your own. You know, that's what everybody keeps saying. Make his word your own. Lay hold of it for yourself. And uh, that verse 18 also says that it is impossible for God to lie. So his word is absolute. Here we go again truth. His word is truth. He cannot lie. What he has spoken is truth. He's bound to that. He's bound to his word and and what he has spoken will come into existence. So let's talk about that. God, God's word is truth and, and it will not return void. I know someone said that earlier. I think it was Jen was talking about how his word will not return void. Uh, yeah. So I, as you said that, it made me think God like Pastor said, God is bound to his word. He can't lie, and his word will not return void. And I love that. Just on a personal level for me, there have been times I have promises from God for my life. And I know that all of us up here have had promises from God for our lives. And you guys watching have probably had promises from God for your life. And you're wondering, but when is it coming? When's it going to happen? How's it going to happen? But the truth is, God is bound to his word and he can't lie and his word will not return void. So what seems like time passing and, and going on forever and ever to us is just a snap in God's eternity. And he is bound to his word and he will fulfill his promises and we can, we can actually call on him. I know myself, I was struggling a couple years ago with, but this promise, this promise God gave me and he's not doing it. And, and Pastor Heather even encouraged me in that time, you know what, dive into scripture and cry out to God and say, you said, your scripture says this, this is what your word says, but I don't see it. Reveal yourself to me, reveal your truth to me so that I can understand. And he does, and he did, and, and that's who our God is. He is bound to his word, and he will reveal himself. Absolutely. This is what Second Samuel 7 says, exactly what you were saying, Jen. It says, and now, O Lord, your God, now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. So, so God, you've promised. This is what your word says. Your words are true. So holding God to his word, not, not holding him in the sense that he is trying to escape his word, not holding him to the fact that he might be lying about something. But God, this is what you said. I am standing on your promise. I am secure in your promise. I am secure in what you've said. And you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now, therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For you, you, O Lord God, have spoken it. And with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. So uh, we take the word of God. We can stand on that. We know that what he has said is going to come to pass. So um, in Psalms, Psalms 12, verse 6, I love this. It says that the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace, 
of earth, purified seven times. And really, we can trust the word of God. We can trust what he's saying. And it goes on with 2 Peter 1, 1 through 4, and it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. His words are his promises. He is, like Jen said, bound to his word. And his word is pure and his word is holy. There's a a word here that I think is really, really important for us to maybe understand and that's the inerrancy of scripture that as we're talking about the word of god his word is truth it is there is no error in scripture there is it is absolute truth we talked about that but there is also no error it cannot fail it's infallible it's inerrant and so we can trust we can rely on we can put our hope in lay hold of god's word lay hold of the hope this is good i think that's so true you know his their promises and his word is without error but if they're promises to us, some of those promises cause us to lay hold of them. You know, I'm thinking of a psalm that says, pour, we pour out our hearts to him that he might become our refuge. And it doesn't say, oh, you're born again, so now you have a refuge there. You're hidden, you're sheltered from everything. No, it says pour out your heart to him that he might become your refuge, your place of shelter. And so his word is without error. Um, but we also have to lay hold of it for ourselves. We have to begin to align with it and, and put it into action. And like Jen said, that you know that season of her life, she had to cry out and say, Lord, God, this is what your word says. And I know you to be true. I know you to be a true and good God. Yeah. Where are you? Right. Show up. And, and sometimes he's right there and his word is coming forth in truth, but we haven't seen it. We don't see the big plan, the big picture, and so we have to find him in it. We have to call out to him, look in his word, align ourselves with it, and allow it to to breathe true in our lives. I I want us to, I'm going to read a scripture. Y'all are going to love this. And this might challenge you. I'm going to read a verse from scripture, (laughs) and it might challenge you a little bit. I know it's going to challenge all of us. But I, I want us to dive into it. It's found in Second Thessalonians chapter three, Second uh, Thessalonians chapter three and verse fourteen. And so Paul's writing here, and he says, "And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person, and do not keep company with him, that he may be ashamed. <laughs> Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother." Yeah. So, this this is one of those scriptures that. The, the modern day church doesn't like to maybe deal with, but, no, but it's modern there. day would say, oh, you, you judging me, you judger of right. man, you're not supposed to judge. You're not accepting judge. me. You're not walking in you're love. not loving me. And uh, <laughs> throw you out, you know, you're done, you're done. <laughs> yeah, but so what is it, let's jump in. So what, what are you hearing? What does it say? I, I, I'll start so our team can, can gather their thoughts and and where God wants to take them with it. But I, I find this so precious and so true. And if we're to align ourselves with Scripture, now that's, we're not walking around and talking about where to be the Holy Spirit police. But, you know, if we, we read the Scripture, 2, it's 2 Thessalonians 
If anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with them. You know, we're talking about someone that is born again, that's in the body of Christ, that is a brother or sister, and that is absolutely going against Scripture. We're not talking about some tradition, some religious right. tradition. Right. We're talking about Scripture. And, you know, and hopefully that's few and far between of the people you come in contact with. But here he's saying if they will not obey the word, walk away. And it reminds me of the scripture that says, I think it's Colossians, that says bad company corrupts good character. And I may love you as a brother or I may love you as a sister, but that doesn't mean that I have to be best friends with you. And that if you're not going to walk and live a life according to the word of God and influence my life in a positive way, then maybe, just maybe, I shouldn't hang out with you. Maybe, just maybe, that shouldn't be the very first person you call on the phone, come on, to talk about your situation that you're going through. What do you guys think? So um, it made me think of Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2, that says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And it ties into this that, that if, if one of our brethren is not doing that, is not obeying scripture and obeying the admonishments of the, the church and church leadership and, and the actual word of God, that if we continue to associate with them that closely like, like we had been if they were obeying the word of God, that is just like sitting in that seat of scoffers because really if we're not obeying scripture, if we're not listening to the word of God, we are scoffing at it. We are mocking the word of God. And it made, made me think of, um, I know myself and Brandon and Pastor Heather have all told our stories of pre-Jesus life and, and who that dead person is. But the only way besides Jesus and his blood, Jesus and his blood was enough. But in order for each of us to hold on to the cross and continue in our journey of falling in love with Jesus and no longer being in that lifestyle was that we had to get away from those people. Our friends had to change. Our environment had to change. We couldn't keep going to the bar or going to parties or going to the places that didn't align with scripture or looking to the people who weren't giving us scripture for advice. You know, if, if we are constantly going to a well that is poisoned, we're only going to get poisoned water and, and it will kill us. But if we're going to the well of scripture, if we're going to those in the church who are feeding us the word of God and truth, then that is, is like Veronica said, what you feed will grow. And if, if we're feeding ourselves scripture, then we grow closer to God and we're not sitting with the scoffers or standing in the way of sinners. Okay, I just think of this example that we've used in youth group before where, you know, if someone's standing on a chair, it's much easier to pull them down than to pull someone up with you. Um, Where if you're you're trying to get all your friends saved, and God bless you, please work on that. We're supposed to, to disciple people. 
However, um, there comes a point where you have to set a boundary for yourself and saying, I'm being pulled down by this rather than I'm not able to pull all these people up with me. Um, so you have to set that boundary. Yeah. So how do you how do you witness to people who are mocking you? How do you so if you believe this, you believe what the word of God says, you believe that this is true, you know, we have people who are watching right now who are amening and yesing and yes, this is the word of God. I'm with you. But what do I do with all those people who are mocking me or maybe maybe you're not in that same boat? I love the scripture that says that God will vindicate himself. Yeah. And so it is not up to me to sit there and debate scripture toe for toe, head to head, to try to convince someone that scripture is real, that the life that I have in Christ is true. There is no one on the face of this earth that is ever going to convince me that Jesus is not the lover of my soul, yeah. that the Holy Spirit is yeah. not my helper, yeah. and that Father God is not my daddy. Yeah. It, it is truth, the absolute truth of my life. And so for me... I'm going to allow the, the God in me to vindicate himself, right. and I'm going to go lower still and walk in love. I'll listen to their questions, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to go head to head. It reminds me, you know, years ago, I flew out to Arizona, and I was so tired coming back, and it was a spiritual warfare kind of trip, and um, I had just gotten a new Bible, <laughs> and um, it was too big to put in my suitcase, and so I had it in my arm, and I'm on the airplane, and I'm walking on that plane. I was one of the last ones on. And I thought, dear Lord, I just want to sleep. Let me have someone that is an introvert that does not talk sit next to me. So, of course, I put my Bible on my seat and go to put my carry-on above. And they say, huh, what translation is that you're reading? And I thought, oh, man, here we go. And um, it was a Mormon. And he was a leader in the Mormon church. And he wanted to go head for head. And I was so tired. And I thank God for the Holy Spirit as my helper. And I just kept finding myself saying, you know, buddy, I don't know about that. But let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. And he got born again on that plane ride. And he didn't get born again because I was trying to convince him by knowledge of let's, let's you know. And look, I'm all for studying scripture. Y'all know that. But I'm, I don't feel compelled to go head to head that way. I'm going to give him Jesus, and I'm going to let God vindicate himself. What about you, Veronica? Yeah, I, I would say don't engage them. Yeah. You know, don't engage them. Just continue on your path, the path that God has set you on. You know, reading the word of God, allowing it to illuminate your steps. I mean, there's such a fad right now. That's saying that the word of God is not true. That um, there's only certain essentials that we need to follow in the Bible. And the rest of it is just a whole bunch of stories that people have made. But that is not what we believe. We believe that the word of God is infallible. That it is the truth. And if that is the case, we are going to stand on that. And we are just going to continue to go forward and not people let our eyes get off of the path that God has set before us. We continue on that path and we continue to see if people line up with the word of God. If they don't, then see you later, buddy. I'm just going to keep on going. Right. You know, Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
Christ the anchor of our soul. And so I am not going to worry about whether people are mocking me. Look, people have mocked me for 20 years. <laughs> Bless their little hearts. But I know Christ in me. I know the anchor of my soul. And the more that I find myself in Christ, which really is finding Christ, as I see Christ for who he is in Scripture and all of his glory, I know who I am. And that's I'm more confident in who I am. I'm more confident in who Christ is and what he's called me to be. And so Christ, the anchor of my soul, I'm not going to engage. That's a great, great word. Um, I've actually had many times where people have mocked me, right? Because I come from people who are hard, right? And if you're hard, you're you're not into church and you're not into God, and that's for wimps. So you don't do that. Um, yeah, trust me when I tell y'all, and I know that everyone up here can vouch for it, and most of you guys can out there as well. Um, is that being a Christian is also not for wimps? Um, you know, but being mocked. For, for my belief. I absolutely love it. Now, that's not an invitation for everybody to start doing it, but I absolutely love it, and I've learned to love it because it has given me the opportunity to take the example of Christ and to live my testimony by example, not by word, right? Um, it's not just lip service. You can argue with somebody all day, and if they don't want to get it, they're not going to get it. If they don't want to hear, they're not going to. If they don't want to understand, they won't. Yeah. Um, but there is absolutely something that is undeniable and irrefutable about living Scripture out by your daily walk. Wow. Living yeah. Scripture out by your daily walk. So how do you witness to somebody who's mocking you? No, you don't engage them. You live Scripture out. Yeah. Uh, Mark 9.35 Right, sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the last of all and the servant of all. Um, Luke 9.23 says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. What better example can we have or what better um, defense can we have in the daily life against somebody who's going to mock scripture but to serve them? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. So um, there's, an, there's another couple of questions that have come in, and, and I want to address them. I think I can talk about the mocking, uh, talk about a couple of these questions all in one. I think it, it, I, there's a scripture here that will help us maybe address all of them, and that's in, in 1 Corinthians. It says that the message of the cross, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, 1 Corinthians 1, 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness, to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So, very first thing, those who don't know Christ, um, the, the gospel message seems as foolishness. It's a stumbling block. Verse 20 says, where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this age? Has not, has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? You know, how many times do people try to um, validate uh, the Word of God by human wisdom. And basically what you're trying to say is, I'm going to validate Scripture, I'm going to validate what God says um, by His own creation. Um, so you're lessening, you're, you're depreciating the value and the authority of God's Word just by saying, I'm going to try to use human wisdom or logic to validate this. 
Um, does God illuminate human logic and, and reason? Absolutely. The Word of God will illuminate logic and reason, but it is not the validation of God's Word. Human logic and reasoning, it doesn't go the opposite way. God illuminates logic and reason. Logic and reason do not illuminate God's Word. Um, and so it is, it's important to understand that. Um, let's keep reading. It says, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. You know, so who is the word of God for, I think, was the essence of the question. Is it for the believer or is it for the unbeliever? Well, it's for both. Uh, the, the gospel message, the message, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus saves. The Old Testament all the way to the end of the New Testament is the gospel message that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. He's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. That was John the Baptist's message. And Jesus said of that message, nobody else has got it better than that man. He's got it nailed. That is the that is it, that Jesus is the Savior of the world and he's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. So uh, it's important that we understand that all of Scripture is is God's word. It's the gospel message. It is for the believer and for the unbeliever. Now, for the unbeliever, you know, um, it it looks a little bit different. For the unbeliever, it, a lot of times they they view this, they see this as the rules. Heather was talking earlier. Well, that's a bunch of law. It's a bunch of rules, and and it's what you did wrong. Absolutely, and it's intended to be that way. It's, it is the law for, the, for those that, that have not received Christ. It is the law to say, you are a sinner. How do you know that you are a lawbreaker if you don't have the law to tell you that you broke the law? And so here before the unbeliever is the law. It, you have broken the law. You are at enmity. You are an enemy of God. You are his enemy. You are against him. But the gospel message, here's the law that you've broken, but while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. So there's both. There's, there is the law in here, but then there's the gospel hope that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Awesome. Um, and I want to continue on with that, answering that question about Scripture being for the believer and for the unbeliever. Um, and one of the questions I think was pertaining specifically to 2 Thessalonians, um, again, 3.14, and a little bit of Jen's comment. And it says, if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him that he might be ashamed. And um, really, it is, it is for um, leadership in helping the believer that has gone astray, that has found themselves in error. And so it is talking about the, the believer today. And it is talking about someone within the body of Christ that has found themselves a stumbling block, has found themselves in, in the way of error, according to Scripture. And so it would be a place of discipline. You know, maybe some of you watching have even walked that out with us. Maybe some up here on the panel have walked that out with us. You know, you never know. And, um, but it's a place of the, having that believer step aside from their role for the purpose of being restored to God, 
having counseling, having a, um, accountability with leadership so they can be fully restored to the body of Christ. Yeah. Um, so I hope that answers your question. If, if it was specifically towards that, um, I think Pastor did a great job of explaining how Scripture is breathed for both the believer and the unbeliever as well. Let me let me go a little bit further with this. Is this you know that Scripture dealing with with sin? And, and lifestyle of sin. So in 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 5, it says, For men will be lovers. And it, let me go to verse 1. It says, But know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Whoo! <laughs> that's, that's a mouthful. There's, there's a lot. Okay, we just check them all and say yes. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Wow. Wow. So, so what is what is being said here? You know, this is echoing that verse from Second Thessalonians, and that there, the the emphasis here there, are, these are church people having a form of godliness, religious people, but denying its power. They're they're saying, on on some level, yes, I, I'm a Christian. Yes, I believe doing all, you know checking all the boxes, but yet living in all these other things. We're not talking about people that occasionally, uh, that are, you know, all of us are, are we're not, none of us are perfect. <laughs> we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to, you know, there are going to be issues that are going to surface right in our lives. But he's talking, Paul's writing to Timothy and saying, these are gonna, this is going to be the lifestyle. This is, people, there are going to be people who call themselves godly. They're gonna be, there's going to be people that are going to call themselves godly, that they're, uh, whatever term you want to put on that, they're going to call themselves godly, having a form of godliness, but living in all these other things. And there's a warning there, don't, from such people, turn away. Don't allow those people to continue on. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that we judge them. It doesn't mean that we're uh, coming back in condemnation. You know, that goes all back into honor and confrontation, everything we've been talking Absolutely. about before, yeah. not taking Scripture out of context. We talked about that tonight, that, that we don't want to take the Scripture out of context, that we just kick people. No, there's there's a biblical process. Yeah. There's a biblical um, way to uh, deal with the, the offense and deal with the issue, and so we don't want to take things out of context here, but yet Scripture is very clear about this. Absolutely, and I think it's so important to hear what Pastor said, and that it's not going in a place of judgment, it's walking in a place of love. And, you know, as we read the scripture, it may sound have sounded a little harsh originally to the ears of, wow, we're supposed to cut that person off. Um, but uh, the reality is it happens more times than most of the body of Christ realizes. You know, I won't say what day, but very recently, you know, I found... I, that's my job, you know, as a believer. And, I, and when I say job, that's, my, that's who I was created to be within the body of Christ. And find myself sitting eyeball to eyeball with believers 
that are living and, and walking a lifestyle that is not pure and holy and according to scripture, yet wanting zero accountability for it. And what I love about the God in us is that he allows us to confront it. We talked about it in the past weeks about honoring one another. I can still honor someone and walk in love and holiness, but hold them accountable to the scripture of God and protect our flock by saying, no, no, you are, there is going to be a time of separation. And you are going to have to think about what life you're going to live. Are we going to live a life according to the scripture and believe who God is, who he says he is, or are we going to choose to live the life that we want to live? But there isn't an in-between. There isn't a walking on both sides of the fence. Awesome. Well, we've had a great night of discussion. I hope that this this has been uh, helpful for you as we've jumped into scripture and understanding the authority of scripture. Um, I'm really excited about this series, and next week we're going even further. We're going to talk about how to understand the Bible. So as we're talking about what we believe, what does it mean to understand Scripture? Not just the authority of Scripture, but as we talk about Scripture interpreting itself, um, the, that Scripture doesn't have error, it's infallible. So um, what does that mean? How do we begin to understand Scripture. How do we make it personal? How do we unpack the truths of the Word of God? How do we go through? And you know, I talked about the Thompson Chain Reference Bible. What you know? How do you use that? How do you, how do you use those commentaries and those Greek and Hebrew uh, uh, dictionaries? And how do you unpack the truth that's in the Word of God? So share. Uh, let people know that we're doing this next Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. It's going to be awesome. And uh, we're going to have our, our assortment of resources. Yay! And we're going to talk about how to unpack Scripture, understand Scripture for yourself. Uh, yes. So tune in next week at 7 o'clock. It's going to be really awesome. And everybody up here is going to bring all their favorite Bibles and Bible study tools and we'll resources. We'll have to get a much wider view yeah. <laughs> for up here because this is going to be really exciting. We might have to get a big old table. Uh, to put stuff on. but So in the meantime, let this new series on the Word of God, on the authority of Scripture, to come alive for you. Please don't let it be something that you tune into on a Wednesday night. Let me hear what they have to say. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Or whatever your thought. But use it. Use it to benefit you in your life and your walk with Christ. So go pull out those Bibles. Get the dust off of them. Maybe some of you tonight are going to go and order the Thomas, Thomas Thompson Chain Reference Bible. Maybe you're going to you know, get a new um, Bible resource. But find something and start digging in and send us your questions. We want to hear from you. We want to help you in your walk and in your study of the Word of God. So let us all have fun with it. We're going to go get our tools. You get your tools. And meet us back next Wednesday at 7. That's awesome. So if you have any questions ahead of next week, if you have any questions about how to study the Bible, how to understand the Bible, or maybe there's a particular verse that you have a hard time understanding and need some explanation on, um, any of those things, or you know, what's a good resource for this or that, or any of those kinds of questions, you can email those to us, go on Facebook and message them to us on Facebook. You can call our church office at 330-762-7458 and just call those questions in, or you can email us at office at ccacron.org, or you can go uh, on our website at ccacron.org. 
all of those different uh, means of communication. Send those things in uh, because we want to be prepared to answer your questions next week and to give you the resources that you're looking for. So before we head out, any other feedback, questions, things that we haven't covered tonight or any other ideas? Anybody? Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us tonight, Celebration Church, and our midweek refresh. We're so glad that you joined us. Don't forget, go on to ccacron.org, fill out that virtual connect card. Let us know that you were watching. Yes. If while you're there, we would appreciate you partnering with us. Click the give button and you can give online tonight at ccacron.org. God bless you. Have a great evening and we will see you on Sunday at 10 a.m. Bye.